Good morning, New Mercy. Today's scripture reading comes from Exodus chapter 2, verse 15 through chapter 3, verse 2. You can follow along on the screen above. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Reuel, their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? Reuel asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. This is the word of God. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Mercy Palisades Church. Um, my name is Key. I'm one of the pastors at the church, and I will not be giving the sermon today. Um, I'm actually here just to introduce our, our guest speaker, uh, who we are very fortunate to have and uh, also graciously agreed to continue our Profiles of Faith uh, series for us today, so there won't be a break in the, in the series. But just a couple things about our speaker. Uh, her name is Pastor Hannah Ha. Uh, she's actually been on staff at New Mercy Hackensack before. Uh, she was also on staff at New Mercy Palisades, uh, and now she is actually a full-time yoga instructor, uh, certified in everything. So if you need to get your exercise on, please visit her after service today. Uh, she graduated from uh, Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, which is one of the premier seminaries in the United States. Uh, she, had her, she got her MDiv there, and uh, personally, she's actually one of my favorite speakers. Uh, I think she's a, a very gifted communicator and always has great insight for us. So please, let's give her a, a round of applause as she comes up. Thank you. Thank you. That's a lot of pressure, Pastor Key. <laughs> um, um, when Paul was giving the, when he was doing the MC, he stood really close to the edge. I could totally understand why he came close to the edge. I want to be closer to you. Um, at New Mercy Hackensack, I actually do the announcements. And I was just like, ooh, I'm going to pick up some of those little things that he said during offering. I was like, ooh, I'm going to use that for my own. Is that cool? <laughs> um, again, my name is Hannah. Uh, like Pastor Key said, I was on staff here at New Mercy. I'm married to Pastor John, who is also a pastor. I know that there's a few people here. I was like looking around before service to see how many people I recognize and how many people I didn't. And I love the fact that 
I don't recognize a lot of you. Um, so welcome. And um, I used to do children's ministry here at Edgewater, or I keep calling it Edgewater. I know that you guys change, but I, le- I stepped down as soon as you guys turned into Palisades. And so in my mind, you're still Edgewater to me, but um, to Palisades. Um, and since then, um, since stepping down, I have been pursuing another passion of mine. Um, I became a yoga instructor, <laughs> and I teach in a studio in Montville. I actually teach at two. Um, and uh, maybe at another time in life, maybe at another, I can share, or maybe afterwards I'll share with you some of the journey that I've been taking, my exercise journey. Um, not here. <laughs> but if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, I do chart a lot of things. And the reason why I do chart a lot of things on Instagram is because even in my exercise, I worship the Lord. And um, I really do chart that. And I want people to be inspired by the fact that you can find the Lord. If you are looking for the Lord to speak to you, you can find him anywhere, whether it's on a yoga mat, whether it's in your home, at your job or your workplace. And I really do believe he speaks when you look for him. Amen. All right. All right, um, the one thing that has been so evident to me is that I really miss ministry, like speaking ministry. I believe that I was called to ministry, but the season in my life, because we have young children, I decided to step off of staff. Um, But I'm so glad that you guys asked me to come. I feel like these are my little nuggets of joy when I get to speak, um, because sometimes I feel like things are spilling out of me and there's nowhere to put it and so for me I just work it out on my mat Um, but I really am honored I know that it's a privilege to speak God's word on a Sunday I really don't take it for granted I think it's a privilege and I'm so thankful that you guys are here to hear God's word I hope that the Lord will speak through me and speak something into your spirit because God's word is like a sharp knife it cuts through bone and marrow do you believe that all right let's pray before we begin Lord, I pray for your holy presence to fill this space. Lord, we know that you can go to anywhere that you want, but Lord, you want to be invited. And so, Lord, we invite you. We invite you into this space and into this time so that, Lord, you may speak through me. Lord, I know that I always ask before I speak for anointing, but Lord, I pray for anointing for my brothers and sisters. May they take up these words. May they be priests and priestesses, and may they claim the promise that you've given to them today. We thank you, Lord. We praise you in advance, for you are good. We thank you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I was so excited to actually worship with you guys. I watch your, <laughs> I watch your worship on Facebook Live. And it really excites me what's happening here at Palisades. And literally, I was, I was like, oh, I can't wait to worship with them. It's going to be so good um, because worship is, I just love it. And um, I was really blessed today that, like, you guys did, like, a jazzy number on uh, really a song that I knew for a long time. I stand with arms, heart, you know, that one. I was like, oh, that's different. Jazzy version. I like that. Um, but I really watch, you know, uh, I watch the worship because I really enjoy that part. Um, sometimes I get about, I was trying to listen to Pastor Key's sermons through this series because I know he's doing Profiles of Faith. I'm so sorry. I got to 10 minutes to one after the worship. I was like 10 minutes into one. I was like, oh, 
and then I got 10 minutes to another one. I was like, oh, I didn't finish. So I did hear small snippets, and I know where you're going, but if you don't mind, I'll take a little bit of freedom on the profiles of faith, just a little bit. Um, I know that uh, Pastor Key went through Jacob, he went through Ruth, Naomi, and for those who know me, I absolutely love the Old Testament. At one time in my life, I really thought that I was going to become an Old Testament scholar, and I was going to go get my PhD in Old Testament, and I like loved it so much. So I like love the fact that you guys are going through the Old Testament, and I also am going to share from the Old Testament. Um, this passage comes from one of those really famous Bible characters. When you think of the Bible, and if you even ask children if they can name people from the Bible, um, literally Moses will be in your top five. It's always Jesus, Moses, God, Noah, and maybe Paul if he makes it there. Because, you know, he's that big of a person in the Bible. When we think of Moses, the things that we always think about are Ten Commandments or he part the Red Sea or the desert times. But today's passage comes from before his call, before he was called to be the deliverer, okay? There is a New Testament sister passage to this exact passage that we read today. It's in Acts chapter 7, and Stephen was giving a was preaching to the Sanhedrin, and he recounts this exact passage, okay? So if you want to ever look, I always say, if you really want to study the Bible, read the Old Testament and the New Testament. They balance each other out, and they always add to one another. So read both. But this one is the sister, Acts 7 is the sister passage, if you ever want to read through it. Now, if you break down the number of verses before, like, he, Moses becomes like a deliverer when he goes out to free the Israelites. And before then and after then, it's like wildly different. You get maybe like 30 verses before and like books and books of Moses in the desert, Moses leading Israelites out of Egypt. It's like wildly different, okay? But if you break it down in terms of years, it's actually not that different. So Moses was in the palace he was in Pharaoh's home for 40 years. Then he was 40 years in being a shepherd. And then for 40 years, he was the deliverer, Moses. 40, 40, 40. But if you look at the verses of the Bible, it's so different. Very small verse. Today, instead of going through his deliverer years, which you've probably heard so many, so many sermons on those passages, um, I'm going to actually talk about... Moses in the waiting years. I want to talk about a profile of faith or what faith looks like in seasons when you're waiting. What does faith look like when it seems as if God is doing absolutely nothing? Um, I'm always, my training, um, Pastor Key mentioned, I was trained at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. And in our preaching classes, we're literally drilled a three-point sermon and according to, I'm, I'm a good student, so therefore, I always preach a three-point sermon. But if you guys do take notes, three-point sermons are really the easiest to remember. And you kind of, it sits in your mind, three, it's a really strong number. A triangle, as they say, it's the strongest structure, like natural structure. So three, it's a good number, right? Um, so three things that we can learn about faith and waiting through this passage, okay? The first thing is identify your season. The second thing is embrace your season. And then the third one is to prepare. So it's identify, embrace, and prepare. 
okay? When Moses stepped into this new season of life after the palace years, he comes into this place. I don't think he really knew what God was doing in his life, okay? He commits this crime. He murders an Egyptian, and he basically runs away, um, and then he kind of stumbles into a life as a shepherd. He, from this passage that you read today, he meets the daughters of Ruel or Jethro, two names. He has two names, okay? So I'm going to use Jethro. He meets the daughter of Jethro, and he helps them, and then he finds himself with a new life, a new wife, and a new job, okay? And he retires into the shepherd's life, a very simple life, a life that's so different, probably like literally the opposite of what he experienced his previous 40 years. You know, Moses, during the time when he was a Midian as a shepherd, his job, his job as a shepherd, called him to follow some very specific seasons, like literal seasons, okay? When you follow seasons, um, the seasons, if, especially if you're a farmer or if you're in like livestock, you have to follow specific seasons and the work is dictated by the season that you're in. So shepherds were, at that time, they were nomads. And what they had to do was travel with their flock in order to find food for their flock. And so during warmer months, they kind of hung out towards, like, if they were Midian, they would be hanging out in Midian because there'd be plenty of pasture during that time. But when the colder months hit, they would have to travel far, like sometimes very, very far, to find pasture lands, okay? So this is kind of the job entails them to do that. You see in other Old Testament passages, David was also a shepherd, and you kind of get a glimpse of some other tasks that shepherds had. David carried a sling, right? He defeats Goliath with a sling. But he carried slings or some kinds of weapons, or, and usually a shepherd had a huge stick, and they say they usually like nails or something hard is on it to keep animals, wild animals away, or to keep their flock safe from predators. So they have to wander around with these sheep, make sure that they're all safe. He has to feed them. He has to make sure that there's enough water for them. He has to protect them, depending on the season. And then during the springtime, he has to shear the sheep, okay? So the seasons dictated his job, okay? Can you imagine a shepherd shearing his sheep during the winter months when the sheep need the warmth the most? Can you imagine? Or if a predator was coming, the shepherd decides, hey, I think I need to go find some water, when a predator is nearby. It's kind of doesn't make sense, right? But the thing is, as Christians, we do this very thing in a spiritual sense. Because you can't identify your season, you have absolutely no clue as to how to deal with the season that you're in. Most people don't even recognize the season that they're in, or they don't even know to recognize the season that they're in. And I wonder, if Moses even knew what his spiritual season was. If you can't identify the season, your spiritual season that is, you have no idea even what tools to use, how to pray, how to ask for help, how to protect yourself spiritually if you don't know how to identify your season. It's really important. The first thing is 
you need to identify your season. Have you guys ever waited for 40 years for anything? I haven't even been alive for 40 years. I just had my birthday last week, um, and I'm not 40 years old. I'm 38. I turned 38. So according to this ti Moses timeline, I'm still in the palace years. <laughs> you know, I, I have never waited for anything for 40 years. I've never waited that long. But do you think that you can embrace a season that will last you 40 years? Um, how do you embrace the season that you're in, okay? So the first thing was you have to identify your season, okay? The se second thing is you need to embrace the season that you're in. If you look purely, purely at the outside, the results, Moses was a man who knew God so intimately. He's described in the Bible to see the Lord face to face. And even that face to face was so intimate was they were mouth to mouth. That he's like the only one that literally saw the physical manifestation of God, okay? Um, but you got to think, on the outside, when you look at him, he went from a palace to a barn, okay? He went from palace to a nomad. From an outside standpoint, he can look like an absolute failure. He was brought up in the home of a pharaoh. He probably had all the riches, all the resources that the world can give, all the education, all the training, everything. Can you imagine if you're an outsider, if you can be that person on the outside that gets to watch his life? Can you imagine the amount of people that envied his life? He had it all, it's so it seemed. And then he ends up a shepherd. The promise was yet to come because his shepherd years lasted just as long as his palace years, his shepherd and palace years. If you look at the process, it's not as glamorous, right? Because the next four years, God wanted to use him for something, but the process in order to get him there was not, it was low and it was humble, but it was so necessary. And this is the thing, everybody wants the promise and we dream about the promise, but nobody longs for the process. Nobody. You know, I really love, um, you know, I think our culture in general, we love us a good transformation, right? That's why even online, if you like Google things like, you know, before and after diet pictures, it's like, oh, like those type of things. I actually watch only two channels on television and both of them, both of those channels are literally centered on transformation. My first one is I love HGTV. Any HGTV? Yes, all right. I love HGTV and I love the Food Network. And HGTV is like the transformation of spaces and the transformation of food, right? So I really love those two um, awesome channels. But for me is I have um, the DVR thing. And so what I do is I let the channel run through and I only want to watch the beginning and I only want to watch the end because I don't want to waste my time. There's a lot of reruns too, but I still enjoy watching all the beginning and the ends because I would just want to see the before and I just want to see the after because in the middle, there's all these like problems that happen, you know, all that, you know, the strife, it's uncomfortable. It's, you know, I don't like those parts and I always will fast forward it. You can't do that with your life, right? You can't just fast forward your life. So you need to learn how to embrace the season that you're in. If you don't know how to praise the Lord, 
in every season, you will never praise the Lord even when you get to the season that you think that you're supposed to be in. If you cannot master the heart of gratitude in one season, you will not be grateful in any season to come. Does that sit with you guys? Does that speak to you? Um, I know that there are a few, like quite a few like singles in this group. I know that it's like, just like Hack and Zach, we have couples with kids and then singles, whatever. Um, singles, when, even when I was a single too, I remember, um, you glorify meeting that right person. You long for meeting that person and getting married and having, uh, you know, like an awesome married life, whatever you envision marriage to be, whatever. But if you talk singles, if you talk to any married couple, any married ma man or woman who is 10 or 15 years into their marriage with young kids, ask them what marriage is like. I, 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 you'll get a very sobering, a sobering answer because marriage is tough. Uh, you have to work at it. You should embrace the season of your singlehood. As a singlehood, as in your singlehood or as a single, you can run after the Lord at a pace that is incomparable in any other season. You can run at a pace after the Lord like you can't even measure it. Um, this is why even Paul, when he writes, he says, he says, he recommends singlehood for ministry. Why do you think that is? He says, embrace it and run after the Lord. Let the Lord do his deep work in you so that when the time comes for your next season of marriage or relationship or whatever that is, that you're ready for that. Um, when Benjamin was, I have, a, I have two children, two young kids, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old now. Um, but when Benjamin was younger, I think uh, my second, Noel, was just a year old. And I had just stepped off of staff um, after I had Noel, and um, uh, I, we decided to step off. I decided to step off the staff because we had two young kids, and Pastor John is also in ministry, and it was getting difficult to do ministry together on a Sunday. It just didn't make sense to have somebody watch our kids so that we can serve the church, and so I decided to step off of staff, um, and we did that. I did that as a choice, but you know how, like, even though you make a good choice, there's still a little part of you that has a little bit of conflict in you, and so what happened was uh, Noel was still really young, and um, I don't know what was happening, but I just remember this very vividly because it really made a pivot in my life. It, it changed the direction of my life. I was doing dishes, right? Nothing spectacular here. I was doing the dishes, and I was pissed. I, I was so angry. I know some people, like, when they're frustrated or whatever, they, it comes out in tears. Like, I have no tears. I have rage. And I was looking at these dishes, and I literally wanted to break every single one. I thought to myself, I cannot believe I went to seminary so that I could be doing dishes at home. My life revolves around cooking, cleaning, changing diapers, cleaning, cleaning diapers, and my kids. And I was pissed. I was so frustrated. I was angry at God, I was angry at my situation, I was angry at my husband, and I was angry at my children. Because this was not my view of what serving the Lord looked like. I couldn't embrace my season, I despised my season. And to the core, the core of me was 
pissed. I was angry. You know, what changed my heart was um, the gentle whisper of the Lord. And let me tell you, the one amazing thing about our God is he will always speak to you so gently. He's a good father that speaks to us the way that we need to be spoken to. And for me, he speaks to me with a gentle, quiet voice. And he asked me, this is the question he asked me. He said, will you serve me if this is all I ask you to do, to cook, to clean, to change diapers, will this, will you still serve me? He, uh, he was asking me, will you love me even if nothing changes? Embrace the season you're in. Today he's asking you that very question. Whatever season you're in, will you still praise the Lord if nothing changes, will you still worship him? You know, when God closes a door, he does it for a purpose. I really do believe that. When God closed the door on Moses' time in the palace, he had a purpose behind that. When my kids at nighttime, we have a, a nighttime routine, and it always baffles me because we do the same thing every night, but they act like I ask them some alien thing to do. Go brush your teeth. <gasps> what? <laughs> Go brush your teeth. Get ready for bed. Put on your PJs. And then they act like I've never asked of this, him them of this before. And then the other one is <clears throat> when they're about to, before we go to, they go to sleep, I close the door on them. And they literally revolt against me when I close that door. They're like, no, leave the door open. But I close the door in order for them to sleep. Sleep is important so that they are rested for their next day, their next activities. It's for their own good that I close that door and that they get to sleep. But of course, we are like children. We kick and scream for good, even though the Lord wants to give us good things. He closes the door for purposes. So focus on the process, okay? Many people, we sit and we waste our seasons. We're so busy, maybe even looking to the next season or fantasizing what that next season is going to look like, that you don't really like sit in the season that you're in. And granted, some of these seasons, I don't want to diminish, some of these seasons are very tough seasons, but still we're called to sit through those seasons as well. I personally hate the winter. I'm so glad that it's warm now. I hate it with a passion. I hate being cold. My hands are always cold. My feet are always cold, even in the summertime. So I, when the weather gets warm, I'm like, yes. But you know, my hate of the winter changed a little bit because when I had kids, I decided I want my kids to enjoy every season. I don't want them to just think, oh, summer's the best and winter sucks. So therefore, I made an effort, even when it's cold, to go outside. And what happened was I started to embrace the cold. I'm like, oh, this is not so terrible, okay? <laughs> That's just like, uh, one of the things that we always get into, and this is my kind of love-hate relationship with social media, we get into the comparison game. It's very easy when you're going through a tough season, you look on Instagram and this person's going on vacation, this person's doing this, and that person's doing that, their family looks so happy, this, this person is eating here, going there. It's very easy for us to look and play the comparison game. Embrace the season you're in. 
enjoy the process because I guarantee you, if you ask each person that you look at what their life is like, it's not all rainbows, it's not all chocolates, it's not all fun. Everybody is going through a season, everybody is. The greatest part about embracing your season is that it's never, ever too late to get into the game. You can start embracing your season today, right now, whenever. There's no time or you're never late. Um, it took God 40 years, okay, to undo Moses' identity as an Egyptian. 40 years. In the beginning of today's passage, when Moses first meets the daughters of Jethro or Ruel, when he first meets these daughters, the daughters go back to the father and they said, who helped you? And he, they say, an Egyptian. When he first meets them, he comes into the shepherd ye, these shepherding years, he wasn't even identified as a Hebrew. He was identified as an Egyptian. And it takes God 40 years to undo that identity as an Egyptian. He had all the qualities that God wanted to use. God had a plan for him, and he had qualities you can kind of see already in his story because God wanted to rescue his people, and Moses had those qualities because you can see it. Moses, he stood up for what he believed in. He defended one of his fellow Hebrews against an Egyptian. Uh, murder is not good, but he did stand up for them. And then when he, these daughters of the priests of Midian was uh, being kind of attacked by other shepherds, or um, he came to the rescue. And you start to see some of these qualities that the Lord is trying to cultivate, but it takes him 40 years, 40 years. And this is um, the things that you, you need to identify your season. You have to embrace the season that you're in. And you have to prepare for your next season. Um, whether you know it or not, God is uh, doing his work in you, okay? And this season, whatever season that you're in, it's going to pass. And guess what? Another season will come, okay? And there's things that you can do pre to prepare. I say this with a little bit of caution because I'm one of those people that have kind of a works mentality when it comes to my faith. I'm one of those people that I make a checklist, you know, those people, very type A person. I'm kind of one of those people that I go, oh, check, mm, check, oh, check, oh, check. And I do that with even my spiritual life because I write down even like, you know, in, um, I uh, even write in, be spontaneous with the Lord. <laughs> like, it's kind of like on my checklist. Because I'm so type A that that's something I have to be conscious of. And it's weird. Um, I'm one of those people. And I say this with a little caution because you may be one of those people too, okay? This is not a works mentality kind of thing, okay? But you can prepare for the next season, okay? Uh, you kind of get what I mean. It's kind of like the art of being spiritually full, like we're mastering the art of being spiritually full, but at the same time, you have to be spiritually hungry. While you identify and embrace your season, you have to prepare. Like you get right? You guys are smart. You guys know where I'm going, okay? Um, and I want to make it really simple. There's really, 
God's laws and God's ways are really simple. It can seem very complex, but it's simple. And I just want to give you two ways to really prepare for the next season, okay? Read the Bible and pray. Easy, right? <laughs> if you want to prepare for whatever season that you're in, and the way that you can even sit and embrace your season is two of the most simple foundational things of, of God. Read the Bible, read God's word, because you got to know what the heck he wants of you and what he's doing in you, and you have to allow the word of God to wash over you, and you have to pray. And don't just pray for yourselves. You're called as a church to pray for other people in the church. We're called to intercess. And one of the things I love about Sunday service and worship is that <clears throat> many people will come to service. They get all their Bible for the entire week in one service, and that's great. We love that. We, the Lord wants to meet you wherever, whenever, however you want to come. And, but that may be true, like you may do all this, but there is something to be said about reading and soaking in the Word of God during the week on your own time or by yourself, okay? And prayer, it comes like a wave, a tidal wave. The Lord speaks to me the most through prayer, and he speaks in very different, various ways. And for me, my season in life, I don't sit and pray like, you know, cross-legged and on the floor, this kind of way. But literally, I pray through my dishes. I pray through doing dishes. I pray through getting my kids ready in the morning because that's the season that I'm in. Pray continually and read the word of God, okay? You need to identify your season Embrace the season that you're in and prepare yourself for what is ahead. One thing as a church, I wanted to share this word. I know Pastor Key pre preaches for a really long time. I was looking at my watch just to make sure that I'm not going crazy long. I think I'm going longer than normal. Um, but um, you guys are used to it, right? <laughs> um, I, wanted to, um, I wanted to actually preach this sermon because I was thinking about the stage or the the process you guys are as going through a church. And it's not just Numeracy Palisades, but it's also Numeracy Hackensack as well. We're in a stage of transition. We're in a stage of waiting. And one of the things that the Lord kept speaking to me was, you are called as a church to pray not only for your season, but the season of the church. Before we started um, Numeracy before we started New Mercy in general, in 2010, even before then, while we're planting at the church, the Lord spoke a very specific word about New Mercy. And the word was literally, it was, about, it was a Moses thing. He said, you're going to enter a time where you're going to enter the land of milk and honey. But the land of milk and honey was not a place of peace. It was a place of war. It was a place where people had to conquer other nations that were living in this land and not just conquer, like literally take over the land. And this is kind of the season that we're kind of walking into. It may be a season of waiting, but you're walking into war, spiritual war. And as a church, you need to prepare for the season that is to come. And as a church, we're called to pray and prepare. Um, I'm going to invite the, the worship team up. Um, I'm trying not to keep it, trying to keep it shorter. <laughs> Um, but I really want to um, speak to people that are going through a tough season. I don't want to minimize the season that you're in. 
one of the things that I know is I was walking through a harder season just a little bit before this season that I'm in right now. It was a micro season. I was in a 40-year season, but it was a season nonetheless. And I was finding myself really in a rough place, questioning my calling, questioning my faith, questioning what it is the Lord was doing in me. And I don't want to diminish the season that you're in. I know that there's a lot of people in our church that are going through loss, brokenness, relationship issues. And there's so many people where they feel like the world is crumbling around them. I don't want to diminish your season. And the Lord sees you where you are. And when I say embracing your season, you're probably thinking, oh, my God, I'm gonna, I want to get out of this season as soon as I possibly can. But this is the promise the Lord always gives you, that you will never walk that season alone. You will never walk your season by yourself. He's always walking with you. And in fact, he wants you to pass over that burden. He's saying, won't you give me your season? Will you lay your season down? Will you praise me even through the tough times, even if nothing changes? So that ultimately, that you will not only see victory in the season that you're in, but that victory will come in every other season to come. And now we're going to extend that, that you need to now not just pray for yourself, but start praying circles around your community. Start praying circles around your leaders, your pastor. It's not enough that you just pray for yourself. Really, it's not. You're called to pray for more. We're called to pray for something greater, for God's kingdom. The last word that I felt like the Lord was speaking was um, from 1 Thessalonians 5. I actually have a plaque of this in my house on a wall. And I look at it, I pass under it, and every single time I pass under it, I practice what it says. It's a reminder to me, and maybe you can practice also in this season to embrace your season, to prepare for your next. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, rejoice always, pray continually, and it says, give thanks through all circumstances. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I don't know what season this tr these individuals are going through, but Lord, I know that amongst them, there's not just joy and victory, but there's also lots of loneliness, emptiness, feeling defeated, so much brokenness. But Lord, you are a good father that calls us by our name. You whisper you speak, you come, you intervene. You're not like a statue that sits somewhere. Instead, you're a God that literally came down from heaven to speak, and you care so deeply about the season that we're walking through. Lord, may our faith grow. Even when we wait on your work, even if it took 
40 years, Lord. Teach us how to sit at your feet. Teach us. You are a good father that only wants good things for your church, for your people, for your sons and daughters. Lord, may we dine at your table, not begging for scraps, but Lord, may we just literally eat at that table that you've prepared for us and claim our authority as sisters, brothers, sons, daughters, priests, and priestesses in your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, for your promise. You are good, Father. We give you all glory and praise, for you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.